All right, we'll uh, go ahead and get started. If y'all don't mind closing the, the doors there in the back for me. I don't know why it is about those doors being open. But anyways. All right, so we have a few people who um, hadn't been here with the, the new process, so I'll cover a couple basics real quick. Um, the uh, For the communion and, and offering, we have the communion cups in the back because we're not going to pass any plates. So make sure that you get uh, some of those and, and bring them to your seat. And then also for the offering, if you, you want to, um, there is a box back there, a log box in the back that you can put your offering in or you can do it online or however you want to do it. But we have that option. We're, just, we're not going to be passing any plates or trays or, or anything like that. So I wanted to cover that. It's good to see everyone. I'm, it's nice seeing more and more people in the, in the auditorium as we, uh, we get started. It's, it's a different process Especially when I first my, my first the first class I did with uh, with only like seven people in here it was it was weird and but anyways it's good to see anyone so uh, let's get started with a word of prayer and then we'll we'll get into uh, the class dear God we thank you for this day we thank you for the many blessings that you give us and we thank you for the the freedom and the opportunity we have to come here and to to worship you to learn about your word to to study your word and and hopefully take what we learn to out into the world and, and use it to bring others to Christ, Lord. I just ask that you please be with us as we seem to be coming outside out of this pandemic and we're getting on the, the, the better side of it, Lord. And I just ask that you continue to bless us as we do. Be with those who have had it or have it. Help them to recover, recover quickly, Lord. And just We also ask that you be with our nation right now. We're going through a rough time. There's a lot of turmoil and, and tensions and things around a lot of the situations that have been going on that are that are building up lord and i i just allow, ask that you will allow cooler heads to prevail for us to be able to talk and have communication and dialogue and, and to actually sit down and, and talk about the things that we're going through and express them in a proper way lord i just ask that you bless us as we go through it help us to come out of it in a, a stronger and better for it lord just thank you for everything you do for us and it's in christ let me pray amen so the last, about the last year, I started, we started this class, I started teaching this class a little over a year ago, and the theme that I kind of focused on the entire time was around the church itself, um, and who we need to be, how we need to be, understanding our communities, understanding different cultures, understanding and how to reach those cultures and how to reach people who may not have been brought up like us, or, you know, or, or had backgrounds like us, or similar, so We've kind of focused on that for the, for the past year. And so what I'm going to do now is we're going to shift that into more of, of a more of an individual level. And so I'm calling the theme around this, I, I called it Me, My, I. And, and the reason I call it that is because it's going to focus on more of the, the individual level, not on a selfish standpoint of, you know, all about me or all about myself or all about the I. But, but in a way it will be, but not from a selfish standpoint. It's going to be of who am I, or, or, you know, what can I be, or, you know, what's my responsibility? <clears throat> you know, those, those type of things from a, from a Christian standpoint uh, of kind of diving down into that, that individual level as Christians, because for the most part, we've, we've talked about, you know, Christianity as a whole or as a group of people for, for the last year, and so now I want to dive into that even, even deeper and look at how are we going to, as individuals, individual Christians, how are we going to change 
the church? How are we going to bring people to Christ? What are my responsibilities? How should I be? So this first series, we're going to do it in three lessons, or three weeks, I think, is called, Who Are You Going to Be? And so I figured, you know, like most things when I started, when I first started this, the first thing I think we need to do when we are assessing ourselves or we're, we're looking at, at different things is to take a look in the mirror, right? And, and, and kind of get a personal perspective of, of who we are. Because we're not going to be able to go out and be the Christian that we're supposed to be and be the person that we're supposed to be unless we take that self-reflection and we look and say, who am I, right? You know, who am I going to be? So to kind of start this off, most of y'all know, most of y'all know, uh, and I'm going to start from a, from a personal side here. Um, I'm a very passionate, driven person. Right, and, and you can tell Helena this, if I set my mind to doing something, then more than likely I'm going to do it or I'm going to try to find a way to do it until I just fail completely or get it done. And that's that's it. And then if you tell me I can't do it, then that's going to make me want to do it even more. And I'm going to, you know, and so I'm a, and, but that personality that kind of comes out of that can be a very driven, passionate personality and kind of a, not say a bull in a chop pot, bull in a china shop, but I'm going to almost run you over, you know, if you're in my way type thing. Nothing's going to stop me. And another side of my, my personality, well, at least used to be, and it still is to a, to a standpoint, but I've kind of pulled it back a little bit. Uh, in the past, I've been very political, very, very political, and very passionate about those type of things, and very open. I, I call it plain spoken, call you out type person where, you know, if I don't agree with her, you don't agree with me. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to let you know you're wrong. I'm going to, I, was, I go back and I look at some of my social media feeds in, in my memories, and I just cringe at some of the stuff I used to put on there and, and say to people and argue with people about. And so a, as that type of person, one of the things that I kind of push to of being a passionate person and being that, 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 that person who I guess sometimes thinks they're the one who's always right and stuff like that, the one of the things that I, I've decided, or I guess I, I felt, was that competency, how competent you were around something, was what how, measured how successful you were. So, like at my job, you know, how, if I'm not the best, then I'm not that successful, right? If, or at least if I'm not trying to be the best, you know? And I, and I go back and I look at a lot of the jobs that I've had. I've actually had a lot of jobs. I go back and look and I think, my average stay at a job was like, well, let me put it this way. Between the ages of 13 and now I'm 38, before working for Lowe's, my longest job was at Dairy Queen, which was six years, which was when I high school and college, right? And, and it's not a bad thing because I was, like, being, being a driven person, I would push and I would push. I'd try to be the best. I'd always, you know, I always just was competitive with myself and... I always had to be the best because I felt that competency was what your measure of success was. How you did, how, how good you were, how others saw you was your measure for success. And that can lead to a little bit of, you know, Helen would sometimes say arrogance or pride, and I would say, no, I'm not arrogant, I'm confident, right? And in the reality, a lot of that stuff is really arrogance. You, you really do think that you're right. You're really, you know, 
And I guess some of that can come on, honestly, because, again, you're, you're working and you're pushing yourself. But about five years ago, it's about maybe five, six years ago now, I started on a, what I call a path of character change. And, and the reason for this is because, you know, be, me being the person that I am, one of the things that I was not good at, and I don't know, I may, some of y'all may say I'm still not good at, was getting up and actually getting up here and talking to people from the pulpit or from, from this point. And so that was one of those things that I want to get better at, so I pushed myself too. So I got up and I did my first Devo. Most, a lot of y'all were here for it. It was not the best in the world. I, my knees were hitting each other, and I locked onto the pulpit like a, it was, I was in a moving jet. And, you know, but from there, me being the person that I am, I didn't like the fact that I wasn't good at it. And I couldn't just pop up there and do it. So I had to, to drive myself to try to do better at it. One of the things that I did starting that I, I dove into was what we kind of talked about the last year was the church growth, right? Church growth and how the church is. And one of the things that, that brought about that a little bit in, in studying that was character change. And what hit me is, is because I, I used to be, and sometimes I still am, but I try to work on this a lot. I used to be a very in-your-face, you know, this is how things should be. This, I can't believe, you know, I, I focused in on my little bubble and, and you know, I, I didn't listen to other people's, you know, backgrounds and past and things that they had been through. It was, well, you should be this way. Why are you this way? You know, you should know better. You, you know, and it was almost like an, a constant attack without putting myself in other people's shoes or, or expressing empathy like we talked about in, in the last series. And so what really hit me was one day, I, I, with doing this study and trying to learn more, I started listening to podcasts. And one of the podcasts I listened to, and I actually talked about him in, in the last series, was uh, Caleb, and I believe his last name is pronounced Kaltenbach. And he was the young man who I talked about in, in the first lesson whose parents were uh, both homosexuals, uh, and, then, and then he grew up with his, uh, his mom and, and her partner. And I listened to his story as he talked about it. It was for about 45 minutes of the things he went through and the, and the things he had. And I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, my, my viewpoint on a lot of things changed when, when I listened to that and, and, I, and I heard his story. Because I'll be honest with you, it used to be I, I had a pretty strong stance on a lot of those positions, Right? It's like we, we, we take this strong stance on homosexuality or, or different things, and then we try to, I, I, you know, we, we put ourselves and say, oh, well, this, 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 and this, and we call people out, and we try to say these type of things about, you know. And so it led me to a point, and, and I'm still going through this process, and again, I'm not trying to make this about myself, but I, I wanted to, to kind of give you a personal background on where I'm coming from on this who are you and, and, and you know, going to be is ultimately it comes down to the point of what you do does not matter versus who you become and who you are. You can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of positive things. But if you're a jerk the entire time or immoral or, or have a lot of character flaws during this process, it doesn't matter what you do. It's matters about who you are. And, and, and we're going to look at some of that. And so the lesson for this for today 
I've titled It's Your Funeral. Real positive, right? But there's a reason why I wanted to, to go down this route. Simple fact is, there's the, we, we say this, this quote a lot, there's two certainties in life, right? Death and taxes. Every one of us is going to have a last day on this earth. Number, unless the Lord comes back before, before. But what I want you to do is I want you to imagine your funeral. And, and there's a reason we're, we're going to get into this, so, but I want you to think about this. Because the simple fact is one day will be your last, or will be our last. And it's not something we like to talk about, right? It's, it makes us uncomfortable. Death, it's, it's interesting, most cultures actually embrace death from, from some standpoint. You know, they, there's more of a celebration around it. And, and things. the American culture tries to avoid the subject of death and talking about death as much as possible uh, versus a lot of other cultures. We've been to the point that we, have, we, we don't even call them funerals anymore. For the most part, they're called memorial services or um, celebrations of life, you know, those, those type of things. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, we, we try to put more of a positive spin on it. And so I want you to think, what is your funeral, memorial service, celebration of life, whatever, what is it going to be like? <laughs> You're going to be dead, right? <laughs> oh. What's the one thing for certain that's going to happen at your funeral? Yeah, somebody's going to fight. <laughs> there might be a fight, right? You're getting, you're getting family together? Huh? Oh, that happened? That's funny. Well, maybe not funny, but <laughs> it is. You're going to be talked about. When it comes to your, your funeral, you're going to be talked about, obviously, because it's usually about you most of the time. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Chuck. So here's the difference between your funeral and other situations. You're going to be talked about at your funeral, but guess what? You can't defend yourself. Now, if you did, <laughs> it'd probably be a real empty building real quick, right? So we'd start talking about Chuck, and he pops up out of the casket. Hey, that's not right. But that's, that's, that's the truth. I mean, they're, they're going to say the stories about you or say things about you, and you're not going to be able to defend yourself. You're not going to be able to pop up out of the but no, that story's not right. That's not the way that happened. So the question then is, what are they going to say about you at your funeral? Funeral I've been to, it's, oh, they were such a wonderful person. Even oh, if they were they a were. dirty dog. Yes. <laughs> so here, here's, the, here's the thing. You're sitting there going. I'm not talking about what are they going to say about you from up here, what are they going to say about you in, in, in the hallway in the back or over here on the side when we're getting ready? Oh, you man, so-and-so, right? Well, not what are they going to talk about whenever they get up here and have to try to say something nice about you, right? Preach into heaven or whatever. <laughs> but here's the one thing. Here, here's the one thing that from a personal level and from even from here, here's what they're not going to say. And I'll think about it for a minute. These are the things that most, most funerals that are not going to be talked about. There's maybe some, 
No one's going to pull out your resume. No one's going to come up and be like, well, Chuck went to high school. Well, no, actually, he didn't go to high school. Um, <laughs> you spent eight years in high school, right? There you go. Yeah. They're not going to be like, well, this is where they went to college. Or look at all the successful things. They'll talk about some of that stuff, right? But, but they're not going to come up and be like, you know, we're not going to get up here when dad, if dad's here or whatever, when they, when, they, when they preach your funeral, whoever's preaching the funeral, they're not going to read from your resume. Most people, I put most on here, are not going to talk about how much money you had. Now, you got a multi-billionaire who dies. You know, the people are going to be talking about the. But when we come in and we have this funeral, we're not going to be like, well, you know, Chuck and his multi-million dollars, right? That when, when someone dies, we, we tend to not really care about things like that. We're not going to discuss how successful the last year of their job was. In fact, your job's not going to care. I'll tell you, about after a month, they're, gonna, they're not going to remember who you work for the most part. There might be a couple plaques with your employee of the month name on it, but they'll move on real quick, right? What will they talk about? <laughs> they're going to talk about your character, who you were. You know, you're going to have comments like, well, Dad, he was always there for us, right? Mom, she would do anything for us. He or she, man, she, they would give you the shirt off their back. Or, like some of the ones we were just joking about on the side, man, that man was a jerk. No one liked him. I'm surprised anyone's here at this funeral. Or he was an alcoholic. He sure did drink a whole lot. Or he was a drug addict. Man, that person was selfish. All they did was think about themselves. But like we talked about earlier, none of that stuff really... You know, I, there's probably been a couple. I think Dad's talked about some <laughs> where they actually did get up from the pulpit and do the eulogy and say those type of things. But for the most part, they're going to get up here, and that's not what we're going to hear. We're going to hear the, the nice things. You're going to be remembered for who you were, the person that you were. And here's what's going to happen. So the, the day of the funeral is going to be all about you, right? Everyone's going to talk about you, who you were, you know, hopefully the nice things is this thing. But what's going to happen over time? They're going to forget about you. A month, two months later, instead of it being a day of thinking about you, it's going to be a, maybe a paragraph, right? Of, oh, well, I remember this, and I remember this, and I remember this. But eventually it's going to come down to what? For the most part, your life's going to be summed up in what? One sentence, right? I remember so-and-so. He was. Or I remember her. She was. And you say your little sentence, and you move on. But even, even immediate family still, I mean, several years down the road, you know, I, I mean, we talk about grandpa or, or grandma and, 
we'll say, well, today was Grandpa's birthday. He would have this, right? Or, or, you know, Grandma passed away so many years ago on Sam's birthday. And, boy, she sure was sweet. We miss her, right? But we, we don't go into a, a, a whole book of how Grandma was and all that type of stuff. Sometimes you do, but for the most part, after you pass away, eventually, your whole life's going to be summed up into about one sentence. So the question is then, what is going to be, or what is your one sentence going to be? so there's a there's a chapter in romans 16 and and this actually doesn't really get talked or preached about much because it's basically as you know most of the letters or the most of the books in the bible are letters written written to in romans in cases written to the roman church and so paul when he ended this letter Ended it like we would end a lot of things. You know, say this to so-and-so, say this to so-and-so. And so Romans 16 is an entire chapter of people's lives summed up in one sentence. And I'm going to try to get through this real quick. But, but I want to go through these because I want you to look at these different sentences of these people's lives and look at what was said about them. And I'm going to warn you, I, I'm going to try to get these names correct, but... I'm not good at pronouncing biblical names, so I will probably butcher them. But we'll start in Romans 16, chapter 1, or verse 1, I'll go through 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Centuria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. There's her sentence. She is someone who is worthy of honor. Can someone write that about you? Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. Verse 3. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Is someone going to be able to write something like that? Are you going to have risked your life? For someone? Can someone say that you are a co-worker in the ministry? Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So not only are they great servants, risk their lives, they're using their home for the church to meet in. Greet my dear friend Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. That's all we know about him. That's interesting. That's his life sentence right there. He was the first person from Asia to become a Christian. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. And this is where I'm going to start messing these up. Greet Andronicus and Junia, I think is how you say that, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me, they are highly respected among the apostles and become followers of Christ before I did. So here, 
Their life, their, their sentence about their life is they, they were in prison with him. Now we might want to, you know, it depends on how, why we're in prison, right? But you don't want that to be your life. They are highly respected even among the apostles. Greet Amplitus, I think is how you said that. My dear friend in the Lord. That's all we know about him. He was a dear friend. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Dacus. Greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household. I'm not even going to try to say that one. <laughs> Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, Greet the Lord's people from the house of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Typhenia and Tryphosa and the Lord's workers and to dear Persis who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus from the Lord picked out to be his very own. Can you imagine having that, that, that saying about you, your sentence? And also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings, and this is where I'm going to really mess it up. To ask, ask I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Plug on Hermes, Protobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Belagos, Julia, Neros, and his sister, and to Olympus, and all the believers who meet with them greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. So again, I, I, I know I've read that chapter, but I don't think I've ever really seen anyone talk about it you know, from a class or from a um, pulpit-type lesson perspective. <coughs> but it's interesting, and I think for the most part when you read this, you just kind of skip through it real quick and, and, and go on. But what, what did all of these have in common? Yeah. From this here. What, what, did, what, did, what did you see a common theme? I would say servants of Christ. Servants, right? Selfless. And you see things like hard worker. They, they gave up their home. They're like mothers. All right? They risked their lives. God, you know, God called one of them his own. And I wonder, are these going to be like, is this going to be our, our, our sentence, our life summed up in one sentence? Is this, is this what it's going to be? He or she was a great servant of the Lord. He or she was... A hard worker. He or she was like a mother or, or, or a father to the people in the church. They were willing to risk their lives for me. Or is it going to be something else? And so I, I go all this, and all this boils back to your character, or, or your, even your Christian character. Who you are, the type of person 
that you are. And I borrowed part of this and then I kind of made it my own. But your character, not your competency, determines who you are and how you will be remembered. You can be the best at a lot of things. I mean, you think about it from a sports analogy. Who's some of the, the best football players you can, you can think of or basketball players you can think of out there? Picture them in your mind. And think about some of the ones who are so good, but yet they have no character whatsoever. And what happens to them? They get passed around, right? They'll be at a team for a year, maybe two years, but eventually they get tired of what happens in the locker room, they get tired of what happens on the field, and then they get passed to another team. All right? You, you think about some of your best, you know, some of your CEOs or some of your, your, your even some of your, your you know, your, your more popular preachers or, or, or ministers or things like that. And they may be some of the best, but we've seen a lot in the denominational world and the non-denominational world they will, be, they will be very competent, right? But they lack character. They have an affair. They steal money. You know what? They may not be any of those, what we call morally corrupt things. They may just be a jerk, a horrible person to be around. So I want you to think about this, right? You, you may be the best. You may be highly competent at things, but if you have no character, that's how you're going to be remembered. Who you are is how you're going to be remembered. And I, I want you to look at that. I want you to look back and see. Look back through your past or, or even your present. Of how do I treat people? What does my social media look like if you have one? You know? what What is my... How am I known on my job? What do people think about me? What do they, they know about me at my job? What kind of person am I seen as? My friends, what would they say about me? And so with that, I, thinking about that, I want to go into three questions that I, that I want us to look at. The first one, what will your sentence honestly read? If, you, if you're at your funeral and, and you sum up your life, what is your sentence honestly, and be honest with yourself, going to be? Some of us, maybe we're really good. Some of us, maybe there's a lot of some things we need to work on still. The second question, then, how would you like that sentence to read? What would you like for it to say? And then thirdly, how are you going to get it there? You, you know maybe what your sentence is going to say or what you think it might say. You know now, if you think about it maybe, what would you like it to say? But ultimately, how are you going to get it there? And this is where at the, the bottom of the, the title of this series, I put Ephesians 2.10, and we're going to look at that. We're actually going to look at Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10, and there's a reason why we're going to look at this. 
So starting in verse 8 of Ephesians 2, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. All right? You cannot take credit for your salvation. God saved you. There is nothing you can do earthly possible besides believing in Him and following what He instructs us to do around salvation that can give you credit for being saved. All right? You cannot say, well, I was such a good person, my character was so good that God's going to let me come into heaven not going to happen salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it we could be the mother Teresa of all people right that's still not going to be enough to get us into heaven only believing in Christ Jesus and following him is that going to get us into heaven verse 10 and this is where I want to focus on. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. As a Christian, God has planned out things for you to do. Good things for you to do. And that's where we've got to come into this, this character thing as if I, maybe I don't like where I'm at right now or, or some of my personality traits or some of my, my characteristics and I want to work on them. Well, how do we get there? Well, we know as Christians that when we become a Christian, Christ makes us anew, right? That's right in there verse. We become a new person and we work towards being that new person. But we can't do that on our own. We're not going to be able to do that or be that person on our own. We're going to have to do it through Christ Jesus. And he's planned those things for us. And so this is going to be the interesting thing. Maybe some of the things that we've planned on doing or we've planned on being or trying to do may be different from what God's planned for us to do. Because he says he's got things planned for us. And we, always, we know that a lot of times our plans do not always go coincide with what God wants us to do. So we go back to that third question. How are you going to get there? And the answer is you're not. Not on your own. You're not going to become the person that you need to be on your own. You're going to need help. And there's only one person who's going to allow you to become the person that God meant you to be, and that's God and himself. And so then let's ask the question this way. How is God going to get you there? To his will. Correct. We're going to have to submit ourselves to God's plan, his will, just like we read about in verse 10 there, of what he has planned for us. And again, in, 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 the, in the culture and the lifestyle that we live sometimes, that's very different than what we want it to be. You know, a lot of us may want to live the lifestyle of, you know what, I, I'm going to be called a Christian and I'm going to come to church three times a week and I'll read my Bible every once in a while and, and I'll try to be a good person. But that's not going to be And we're going to look at that a little bit because once we dive off from this, I think we're going to go into James a little bit. And, and we're going to see that that's, that's not the case. 
right? Just doing some of those, those things and claiming to be some of those things. So what is your sentence going to read? How is your character going to be seen? How is your Christian character going to be seen on your last day? Is it going to be, well, he, he sure came to church a lot, or she sure came to church a lot? Or is it going to be, man, that person would do anything for the Lord? They gave up their, their life, gave up a career, gave up whatever to follow God. They sacrificed a lot. They put others first. They loved like God said to love. So this is getting to, to, into the individual side of it, right? Of who are you going to be? Not who are you, who are you going to be? And if we go back to Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. That word masterpiece there, I forget the Greek word, it's the basis for the word poem that we use today. So in a sense, you're God's poem, right? He's written you out. And when we tend to think of poems, we think of beautiful words and sayings and things, right? So here's my... I guess, task or challenge for, for us. Identify one change you think God, ultimately, you and others would like to see in yourself. Or what is something that you need to work on that you think God, you know, we're not going to change overnight, right? I'm not going to wake up or I'm not going to hear something like this and then, oh, tomorrow I'm a completely different person, right? You have to work on it because it's not in our nature, Human nature is to be selfish, is to, to, to care about yourself, not really care about others. You know, human nature is to put yourself first. Maybe be a jerk a little bit. That's human nature. So we have to fight against that, and we're only going to fight against that with God's help. So what's one of those things that you can change? And then, and then work on that thing. And improve that thing. And then when you get that down, say, look, you know what, what's the next thing? that I need to work on? What's the next thing I need to improve? And, and work on And that's the only way you're going to improve those things. You've got to be self-aware of who you are. And as Christians, I think this is one of those things. We need to do a better job of asking each other. You know, Summer, what is something I need to work on, improve? Now, she's, she'll be honest with you. She'll tell you. Others might not. But, but this... Human nature... It's easy as humans to say, well, I can tell you, oh, so-and-so, I can tell you the things they need to change. Yep. But then when we look at the man in the mirror, that for some reason that's a little yep. bit harder. It, it is. I think the quote is, the, the best type of deception is self-deception, right? Or the worst kind. Because we do. We, we, we're very self. We, you know, we tend not to see those things, those bad qualities in ourselves. We, we tend to think that we are the best at whatever we're doing, right? 
We tend to think sometimes that, you know, or we'll say, yeah, I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm struggling with this, but oh, man, I'm not struggling near as bad as so-and-so. Or, you know, the whole plank in the eye versus a speck in the eye type thing, right? So I, I do, I want, I want you to think, because these are things we need to constantly try to work on, constantly trying to improve ourselves, is identify that thing. And again, you know, the Bible talks about confessing our sins to one another, right? You know, to, to, to go to one another. We're, the only way we're going to get better is if we build each other up, right, and be honest with each other and, you know, and work with each other to, to lift, edify, right? The Bible talks about that. We're to lift each other up in the Lord. And, and we're going to, so, so maybe we're going to have to have some of these honest conversations. But there will be improvement out of it. You will better yourself. So do that. But do this, I mean, on, on an ongoing basis. Work on that thing, you know. Think, really think about this through the week and say, you know, what is the one thing I really... And if you can't think of anything, like Dad said, trust me, I'm sure there's someone out there who can tell you that's something that you need to work on. And some of it may be true or may not be true. But talk to a close friend, right? All right, so... Next, not next week, um, me and Helen are going to be out. Um, Helen's going to have to have uh, some surgery uh, done, so we're going to be out for about 10, 15 days. Uh, we have to go into quarantine for a little bit, then i got to do surgery. So please uh, keep her in your prayers and, and us, because she's going to be locked in a house with me for a long time. So keep her in your prayers. But So Dad will be teaching the class next week. But the week after that, we're going to get into a little bit more of this who are you going to be series and and the next week or the next subject we're going to look at is quietly selling your soul and and we're going to look at and it's going to be around David but we're going to look at how for the most part you don't just fall into or overnight fall into some type of you know moral crisis right you don't just you know in adultery you don't just you know I'm going along perfectly fine one day. Well, the next day I'm cheating on my wife, right? I mean, that, that in most cases doesn't happen. And, and so we're going to look at this from a, from a moral perspective, how, how we are quietly and slowly selling our souls to different things in society, to, in, in, in the world, and how we need to guard against that. David did that. We're going to look at that. We know, we know David's story, right? He did that. And so we're, we're going to take a deeper look at that and kind of look at how sometimes we can sell our soul off and how we can guard against it. So that's how I have for today. Um, again, keep us in your prayers as, as for next week uh, as Helen uh, has her surgery, and uh, we'll try to keep everyone updated, and I appreciate it. Thank you.